This is Casper Van Dien. You're listening to Cinema Geekly. You know what to do. Kill them all. Coming to you in hypersonic ultra maximum high definition from the depths of the interwebs and straight into your ear holes. It's the Cinema Geekly Podcast. Podcast episode 178 brought to you by the good people over at Adam Tickets. Head on over to cinemageekly.com slash Adam Tickets or click the Adam Tickets link at the top of the page to pick yourself up some movie tickets or gift card for the movie fan in your life. Uh, right now in the theaters, everybody, if you're interested. Uh, I think uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is opening or it's already opened. Uh, depends on where you are. I think it may have actually opened uh, maybe like in England or something like that uh, ahead of time. Uh, Halloween still in theaters. Uh, Glenn, is Nutcracker and the Four Realms, is that opened yet or is that opening? Do you have a, a pulse on this uh, Nutcracker Disney picture? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's it's this weekend is when it opens. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't plan on seeing it, but... No, it didn't look appealing to me either. Karen uh, uh, Knightley's voice in whatever she is doing in that movie is very grady. Movies getting... Uh, movies getting uh, snobbery buzz uh, are also in theaters. Beautiful Boy, Suspiria. And, uh, well, I mean, those are depending on where you are, of course. And uh, you can pre-order tickets for stuff like uh, Dr. Seuss's The Grinch and Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Those are all uh, things that you can pre-order tickets for right now. Cinemageekly.com slash Adam Tickets. Uh, it's been a while since we did a, a podcast, Glenn, talking about movie things. Uh, there's a, a bunch of trailers and stuff that we looked over and, and, and missed talking on, and as far as I'm concerned, too much time has passed to talk about them now. I don't even really remember them. I think there was like a a Dark Phoenix trailer, for the X-Men movie. The, the only thing I remember of it is that it reminded me heavily of X-Men. It felt like they're remaking X-Men 3. Is the only thing I remember. From, I don't remember any visuals or lines of dialogue or anything. I, just, I remember the overall feeling that it felt like they're remaking X-Men 3, which... I think is a pretty ballsy move. Uh, if you're going to try to remake one of these X-Men movies, that's not the one uh, I would shoot for, but I don't know. That's what it felt like to me. Uh, instead, I wanted to touch on a, a little bit of news, as for the bulk of this, Glenn and I have seen quite a few movies since the last podcast, and we want to talk about those and give them a little review. So... Uh, before we do that, let's talk about uh, this piece of Star Wars news that broke uh, a few weeks ago. I think it was John Favreau himself who 
noted uh, what the title of his Star Wars live-action TV show is going to be. It's called The Mandalorian. It is not about Boba Fett. And it takes place after Episode 6, but before Episode 7. And uh, I think we got maybe a few pictures and things like that. I, I know we got a long list of directors, I think. Which include, like, Taika Waititi, I think, is directing an episode of the show. Uh, I I don't remember off the top of my head because it was a while ago. But it seemed like a really uh, impressive list of directors for the show. I think the real question is, Glenn, is this, like, a, in in all of the Star Wars stuff that we're getting, is this something that interests you? Are you curious at all about the the people of Boba Fett? And their adventures and whatever they're doing, bounty hunting. I suppose no, it, not really. I suppose it could be an interesting show if it's like a like a Shades of Grey character that does bounty hunting stuff. I have no idea. Yeah, I just watch Cowboy Bebop. I mean, just... I'm not going to watch a cartoon, Glenn. Those are for yeah. kids. Yeah, they, it also has a corgi in it. So, <laughs> does it? Yeah, his cor- he's, his dog. It's his I mean, dog's Ian. He's I, a little corgi. I told you I don't watch these cartoons, Glenn. I I watch things for grown grown men and women. Like, well, I mean, sp- I would love to see a kid watch that show. Cause <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this. I mean the 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 premise says we follow the. Uh, we follow the travels of a lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy far from the authority of the New Republic. It just sounds like it's going to be like maybe a space western. It's going to be like, like Firefly. Firefly. Yeah. I mean, it could be good. It's it's hard to say. We don't have a whole lot of information other than the announcement of it. I guess it, at the very least it's not like a Jedi and Sith thing. It sounds like it's going to be very far away from all of that. Which, at the very least, that sounds like a nice break uh, to explore something in Star Wars that isn't that stuff. Isn't like the magic wizards with laser swords. Uh, I don't know. I mean, look, I unlike the DC thing, I know for a fact that we're going to be getting this Disney streaming service. It's not for the Marvel stuff, and it's not for the Star Wars stuff. It's because... <laughs> There are three it's other, Disney. yeah. There's three other people that live in this house, and they love Disney, and they they want it just to watch like old movies and cartoons. So uh, we'll be getting it. So I will almost certainly be checking this show out uh, just to see how it is. But I'm not particularly thrilled about it. Are, are you in the the same boat here? Yeah, I mean, I might check it out just because. I I bet I'm going to get the Disney thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm almost certain I will. Especially if they unlock a lot of that old stuff that isn't in syndication. or. Oh, you mean like the fact that I can't buy Aladdin on Amazon right now? Yeah, things like this. Because it's in the, the damn Disney vault? Yeah. And we normally don't talk about teasers, but did you see the teaser for the live-action Aladdin? Uh, Yeah, I did. It was a teaser. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it didn't really show anything. I mean, the one thing I will say is I thought the Cable Wonders looked cool, and I thought Iago yes. looked really good. I mean, it's Same. like the only thing you see in the whole trailer. But yes, uh, it definitely it definitely looks cool. Yeah. Uh, I just I'm so bewildered by the fact that Guy Ritchie's doing Aladdin, but you know we'll, that we'll is see. weird, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember seeing this. I don't have any good memories of this either, which is why I'm going to buzz over it quickly unless you have any memories of it. But they did release a five-minute-long Aquaman trailer. Apparently, it was the thing that they showed. God, dude, that thing was forever. It was the thing they showed at uh, Comic-Con, apparently. Uh, And they released it. All I remember of it is that it has Momoa in the suit at the end. Uh, But it felt like they... Aired like Shows a whole, whole movie. It felt like they aired like a whole chase sequence as well uh, in there. Like you got like a whole, like three of the five minutes of this thing was like a chase scene. Yeah, with a uh, black mana. Yeah, this uh, this big dumb helmet with his laser eyes. I love it. <laughs> although, although I'll tell you what, this for some reason this five minute clip lessened my interest. It didn't increase it. But maybe that's because it felt like they were showing me too much. And now I feel like I've already seen a part of the yeah, movie. Yeah, I feel like you've seen most of the movie. Yeah, yeah that's that's never a good thing. Bad idea, guys. Uh, I wanted to talk about... Uh, well, before we talk about... Well, I don't know. Maybe these things kind of tie in. Uh, Netflix has been canceling a lot of shows, Glenn. Yeah, they, they did. Uh, I would say the most tragic of which is American Vandal. <sighs> they canceled after two seasons, and that sucks. Uh, there's talk that it's being shopped around elsewhere, but I honestly don't know where else they could do the show like this the way they do it. I can't imagine Hulu, them doing Amazon. Yes, other streaming services perhaps, but I can't imagine this like landing on NBC, for example. Uh, you know, it just doesn't feel like... I think it actually would, because it's not like they get... Mm, I mean, the only thing is that it works so well as, like, one single documentary episode, like, as each episode being just a little documentary. Like, that's the only thing that I wouldn't like it to be. I mean, if it was on, like, Showtime or HBO, like, it'd have to be something where you don't have commercials for it to work. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I can see it. I can see it on HBO or Showtime. I can see it definitely like something like Showtime, just so they can get some buzz. But you know, like you and I kind of talked about, and what all my friends have talked about. I've seen so many people post like the show is real, and it's a credit to how good it is, but also, you know, it just shows you how scary. Um, social media could be which is obviously what the show was about so yeah you can mix gullible people uh and then give them all a voice in which they can communicate their gullibility to one another it's actually kind of terrifying uh i didn't think anyone could have thought that that was you know real but i have definitely seen it like i thought people were just playing dumb on purpose Maybe that was my naivete that, oh, well, they're just having some fun with people. But there's so many of these instances of people who thought that the, especially younger people who thought that it was legitimate. Uh, it's saddening. Uh, 
I thought it was very obviously a parody, but I guess not. Uh, especially since in this season, uh, this latest season, which Glenn and I recorded are from Parts Unknown About, and uh, that'll go up onto the, the feed eventually. Uh, they talk about how they uh, they made the original documentary and then it was picked up by Netflix and <laughs> yeah. like they increased the graphics and stuff. Like the original version is on Vimeo or something. But as far as I know, the actual like there isn't a version of this documentary on Vimeo because it's fake. They made it up. Maybe they went to those links and actually put something on there, but I don't think that they did. So I you'd, you'd think that that sort of stuff would have been debunked, but you know, kids these days, I guess, Glenn. Uh, that got canceled, and also on the chopping block were two Marvel shows, Iron Fist, which was not terribly surprising because of how poorly received the first season was, and I would imagine that would have resulted in a lot of people not giving the second season a shot, which... Uh, if you listen to Podcasters of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know it's a shame because Aurora and I were like everybody else and weren't big fans of season one, but we thought season two was a dramatic improvement. And uh, then they canceled Luke Cage, which seemed really weird, especially considering how much they talked about, uh, Netflix that is, how good the show was doing. That seemed really strange, and the feeling I'm getting is that the only reason they haven't announced cancellations for daredevil or Jessica Jones is because those shows are like Luke Cage was in the creative process. They were in the middle of writing scripts and things like that. Jessica Jones has actually been filming and a daredevil season hasn't hadn't came out yet. Or I think they can't announce the cancellation of Luke Cage the same day daredevil season three came out. But I would not be surprised if they axed all of these shows because of the Disney streaming service. Uh, it feels like eventually Netflix is going to lose hold on these shows anyway. And that this, I don't know, this sort of feels like they're cutting bait. Uh, had it only been Iron Fist, I, I don't think I would be thinking this way, but the way they were talking about Luke Cage, it did not seem like a show that was on the verge of being canceled. Now, the story they gave was that there was all sorts of uh, creative differences or something like that. But we hear about creative differences all the time, and usually that just results in a delay and a replacing, not like a complete dismissal of the entire project. That sounded weird to me, but I don't know. I'm... I'm uh, it's hard to say. It's, it's really hard to say because Netflix doesn't release numbers or... And rarely do they ever give any reasons as to why they cancel things. So, on the plus side, Glenn, BoJack Horseman has been renewed for another season, so... Oh, thank God. Not canceled, which... Yeah, I mean, and that show gets, like, awards talk and is critically acclaimed, so... As it should. Yeah, it's tremendous. And not, it doesn't get the mainstream award no. talks no. like Emmys and that kind of stuff but yeah. then then do you then weren't you the one who told me it won a Peabody it did yeah. that's awesome uh they uh <laughs> so I mean that that show's continuing but I don't know maybe it's conspiratorial in nature but 
it feels like they're going to dump these Marvel shows, like all of them, and then they're just going to reappear at some point on Hulu, which Disney is also going to own a majority of stake in uh, once this Fox thing is completed. And because uh, they noted that they didn't want to put con, they wouldn't put content like Jessica Jones or Luke Cage on the Disney streaming service, um, things like that, or more uh, like if they, uh, like if they end up owning Deadpool and the Deadpool films, those would end up on Hulu instead of the Disney streaming service. Well, we do have a PG thirteen version coming out. That is true. That is that is true. Uh, so I don't know. How do you feel about these Netflix cancellations? Do you, I mean, do you think it's Occam's Razor and the shows just aren't really doing that well and that's why they were canceled? Or do you think this is a different Occam's Razor and Netflix knows they're going to be losing these properties and they're just uh, they're just cutting them off now? Uh, I think it's probably more of the latter. But my thing would be, you know, whenever you listen to or watch interviews with some of the Netflix executives. Cause I like watching like all the different TV execs and they'll have like round tables and that kind of stuff. And like what their business plan is and what their business model is. Mm-hmm. It always seems like with Netflix, their biggest thing is creating their own content. So yeah. uh, if they can own the IPs, the stuff that's more important long-term just because they'll be self-sustained. You know, that's the thing about Disney is it's all, you know, as they gobble up all these other companies, um, you know, they're going to be self-sustaining. They have their own IPs to pull from, which is why we see all the, you know, let's just go back into the archive and do this, you know, with all the live action version of Disney classics. Mm-hmm. So my thing with Netflix is it's, yeah, you know, kind of cut and bait, you know, before things really get hairy with, negotiations of who owns what and it turns into a spider-man thing you know mm-hmm. um but also uh it's just getting content and get as much content as possible so if we run a show for two or three seasons cancel it you know that's still x amount of hours if we get another show two or three seasons there's x amount of hours so it's just constantly creating more and more and new stuff all the time because uh, September, it just seemed like, man, there was like six or seven shows that they... I mean, American Vandal and BoJack came out the same day. Yep. And it just seemed like in September, really, it was just all this content was dropped. And then, you know, just like anything, as we kind of go into the, the winter season, it's going to be more of like their movies seem to come out more around that time. Like the summer was like nothing but like you know, romantic comedies, chick flicks, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. The same thing happened in February. So it's just whatever whatever they're using to figure out what content people watch is kind of seems like whenever they're putting their certain shows out, you know. Um, to me, what was weird about everything coming out in September was it felt like a traditional like network schedule. You know, all your new stuff comes out, you know, in September or early October. Yeah, and then you go through the fall, and then you know you come back through the spring. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of seemed like that's what they were doing. Because um, I can't really think of a whole lot that came out this summer besides like Luke Cage, and I guess Orange Is the New Black also came out in the summer. Yep. Um, so I, that I don't show's know if also just... done, by the way. Um... Yeah, one more season, they're done. But I mean, think about it. that's like one of their first shows. Same thing as House of Cards, and whenever that season yeah. airs this month, that's it. Yeah, House of Cards is done as well. But, I mean, are these cancellations or are these we're ending the show? It's not canceled. It's the end of the show. 
Oh, I mean, I think they're just following kind of like where we saw all this prestige television, you know, in the States, you know, you can do the CBS thing where a show goes on for a, a damn decade and they yeah. use the same jokes over and over again. Or you kind of keep that prestige and you keep it about six seasons. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Wire was about five or six, Sopranos. I mean, Sopranos was actually pretty long. But you know what I mean? You know, and also yeah. they're shorter episode arcs. You know, you're not 22 episodes, you know, they're 10 or 12. So maybe you could stretch out your story. Like Breaking Bad, you know, six seasons. So it seems like they're they're not going to have a show go past, which is surprising about BoJack, because now it's going to be season six. So I'm curious as to how, and I know it's animated, but I'm curious as to how much longer they would have something like that go. Um, but it does seem like the show is getting to, like, it's falling action and, you know, going to have some resolution. I wouldn't be surprised if BoJack was done after the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... It just seems like they're trying to follow that six to seven season mark. You know, if you have 10 episodes, it's 70 episodes, not quite what your classic syndication would be. But, you know, if it's a half hour, you know, it's 35 hours of content. If that's an hour program, you know, it's 70 hours of content. Because for them, it's just they're just filling hours, but they're not having to do it, you know, on a TV guide way. You know, you got to fill up this block against this time. It's more of we just have to have as much content as possible so people constantly have something new to watch. Yeah. And that, that's to me what I think they're doing is just cutting bait on stuff. You know, even if it's getting good, okay, well, we'd rather it be getting good versus like, oh man, that show went on too long. You know? Yes. Uh, okay. So, final piece of news before we talk about what we've been watching uh, this old thing about James Gunn. He's got another <laughs> job in the comic book film industry. According to Deadline, a few weeks ago, he was brought on board to write and possibly direct Suicide Squad 2, which is crazy to me uh, because of how much I hated the first Suicide Squad. Yeah. But, I mean, I I love James... It makes so much sense. I love James Gunn's writing, and I love his directing. I mean there was all that talk with when suicide squad was coming out or when it was in production that it felt very obvious that they were trying to go for a guardians of the galaxy type vibe with the, the, and I mean, in this case, like guardians of the galaxy were kind of like, they're reluctant heroes. They're not anti-heroes. Yeah. yeah, They were reluctant heroes. They're kind of like lovable rogues who became good guys. The Suicide Squad was really about a bunch of villains who are forced to do something that, you know, sidetracked end result saves the world or whatever. But, you know, it's, it's not like, it's not exactly the same thing, but you could tell that they were kind of going for something like that. And it failed spectacularly for a lot of reasons. Mostly it felt like from studio involvement getting involved in it, but uh, there are other things as well that made that film pretty horrible. But I'd be lying if I said I wasn't way more invested now that I know that there's somebody like James Gunn writing and possibly directing it. I don't know how many of these people are going to be returning. Are there these rumors that it's going to be a completely different group? Um, that well, especially since they're doing like 
the Harley Quinn Poison Ivy Birds of Prey thing. Yes. Which they just announced Ian McGregor as Black Mask. So. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, so they might be... It feels like DC is kind of on the verge of maybe turning things around a little bit. Uh, I mean, they're obviously making a lot of moves, and their whole DCEU feels like it's completely crumbled under its own weight. Uh, and that they're going to just try to start rebuilding it. And Yeah, that's know. why, like, I don't really... I'm not really going to pay much attention to what happens with Aquaman. Yeah. Like... If it's bad, it's bad. If it if it's good, man, maybe it shows they're going in the right direction. But I feel like that's still part of the old guard. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe something like Shazam, like that's kind of be more of like, okay, let's see how this is going. Yeah, because it's definitely you know a director that's worked for the guy who's now the head of DC Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, it's the guy he did with that movie. He did uh, Lights Out, and he did Annabelle too, or Annabelle Creation, whatever the hell it's called. Yeah, um, that's the guy who's doing Shazam. So he's definitely tapped into his, you know, same as Juan. But I, I think Juan was brought on before uh, the new guy came in. So definitely, mm-hmm. definitely guys he's worked with in the past and have had, you know, success with horror stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I, that that's going to be more of you know seeing how how that comes out to be in it. And that's, uh, I mean, I know we've talked about it in the past or, you know, you don't pay attention to the user reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Correct. Because it's all hogwash. But it does seem like the stuff that has to do with that Conjuring universe uh, it seems to be more in line. It seems like people are always excited to see the next one. Mm-hmm. And they also make a shit ton of money. And their user reviews are usually much higher than the critical yes. reviews. So maybe, you know, something, you know, in that vein of not trying to appease the critics and see how they like it. But, you know, if you can at least get the masses on board to something like this, you know, much how their horror franchise is, you know, that's that's a win, yeah. you know. And every once in a while you might get that gem that's actually pretty good. I mean, it would be interesting to dive into the philosophy of of this cuz i feel like movie critics if a film is not bad even if it's like good it's bad in a good way like they still won't like it necessarily uh whereas and i feel like a lot of horror movies fall into the category of it's you know they're not good but that's the thing that people like about them is that they're you know, low on low on story, high on body count, and creepy, scary stuff. Whereas yeah, that's I why think, I... I was going to say, I feel like a lot of film reviewers are that doesn't uh, that that doesn't appeal to them. So the you know the movies don't review very well. But among horror fans, they tend to review higher. I, that I can understand. Uh, having talked to a bunch of people who are big into horror movies. Yeah, like Aaron and stuff, and Ben. Yeah, part of the charm of some of them is that they're not good. Uh, yeah. In the, in the traditional sense, I guess. Uh, Alright, so let's talk about... Which is like when a horror movie comes around that critics really like, it's kind of like, oh, well, I might actually see this, because if they actually like it, you know, because you and I are in the same boat, not, not big into horror, you know, but... Uh, yeah. It's just, uh, it, you know, 
it is interesting whenever like something like Halloween where it actually has a decent rating. You're like, oh, well, okay, well, I'm I'm kind of intrigued. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so you and I have both, uh, as best I can tell, uh, since the last episode, we've each watched three movies. Well, I forgot about Mandy, but that wasn't a movie; that was an experience. Okay. Um, well, let's stick to the three movies that I know. And the weird thing is. I think the, these are all different. Although maybe some of these other, maybe some of these I've watched, you've also watched. I don't know. So maybe we'll kind of just take turns. We'll go uh, one at a time. Do you want to start first, or do you want me to start first? You can start first. Okay. So I'm just going to go sort of in chronological order of the movies when they were released, not when I watched them necessarily. So uh, I watched Christopher Robin. Have you seen this? Yeah, I did. I did see it. Okay. I loved this movie. <laughs> it was super adorable. It was the cutest thing. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was pure, golden, like Disney, like a, like that traditional Disney movie with the really sweet message and the competent, I, I would say the human performances were mostly competent, although Ewan McGregor had a couple of moments that were just, fantastic yeah uh like after he uh after winnie the pooh goes uh he, he disappears and they have to search the whole hundred acre wood to find him and he finally finds him oh yeah and yeah, that, he just holds on to him oh my, is the best oh my goodness this uh i mean in a lot of ways it reminded me sort of like of toy story 3 about yeah growing up and leaving your childhood behind uh, I mean, and, th- and this movie was also very much like Hook in the sense that, like, Christopher Robin grew up and he just forgot about, um, essentially, his childhood. And he-, he didn't become, like, grumpy or anything like that, but his life was fairly joyless. Yeah. It was just, you know... It got beaten out of him. It got beaten out of him, and it took... He became, he became a proper British gentleman. Yeah. So he lost all his joy and excitement. Yes, he had no love... Uh, but it took like rediscovering his childhood friends and going on another adventure with them to like rediscover those feelings. It's very, it's very Disney, but, uh, the, obviously the voice cast who did like the hundred acre wood gang was all fantastic. There's only one thing that That stuck out. There's only one thing that really stuck out to me in that group. Uh, it's that, Rabbit and owl didn't look like stuffed animals. They looked like rabbit, a rabbit and an owl. Yeah, which is weird. Every well, all the other creatures looked like stuffed animals that were alive. Yeah, that was weird. I don't know why they made that choice, but and also Peter Capaldi's voice was just so much different than everyone else's. Yes, I mean I'm not, I'm not like I don't mean like in a bad way, but it was just. Everyone else's was kind of like your traditional voices that you mm-hmm. always... I mean, you can obviously tell it was Brad Garrett, but it was perfect. It was a <laughs> very good... Yeah. Well, I mean, Mark Mark Gaddis, Mark Gaddis, who's doing Piglet, like, stuck out to me because it's not the Piglet voice that yeah, I Yeah, it's have. not the Piglet. There were hints of it in there, but it wasn't the voice that I grew up with. Yeah. Obviously, Winnie the Pooh was voiced by Winnie the Pooh, so... Yeah. Uh, that was... That was tremendous. Uh, so much of this movie is just... I think Tigger was kind of like the one who takes over as Tigger as well. Mm-hmm. That was uh, Yeah, that was also spot on. Uh, Haley Atwell plays... I mean, she doesn't get a lot to do, but what she does is good in the movie. 
<laughs> this is just one of the, like I said, it's like a warm blanket. Even if you don't like, uh, like Winnie the Pooh stuff, you'd probably still enjoy this movie unless you have a heart of stone. And, uh, if you're like me who grew up with it and I have daughters who grew up with it, uh, as well, it's just one of these things that's always been, uh, in our, you know, so like when Tigger starts singing the Tigger song, mm-hmm. uh, things like that, we just got, Jen and I got extreme, like way happier than we should have gotten, uh, for two adults sitting in a living room watching this movie, but it all just kind of comes back to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was lovely. So I, I don't, I don't remember what you gave this. I don't remember if you reviewed it, uh, for the, um, for the podcast or not, but I gave it a four out of five. I thought yeah, it was it's, really good. It's just good. It, it was, it was a good thing to watch. Cause I can't remember what I had seen like right before it. Mm-hmm. Um, like skyscraper maybe. Yeah. It was like, it was right around. Well, no, I think what I had seen before was probably mission Impossible fallout, which was uh, amazing. Yes. But, uh, like the Meg, you know, like it was kind of like in the, you know, like mm-hmm. I saw the Meg, and it's like, you know, like you said, skyscraper, like things that, like, you know, there were, uh, you know, they were cheap thrills at, at best. You know, I love Skyscraper just because it was, it was so ridiculous. But I wouldn't say, like, it was a good movie. It, it was just completely stupid, and I enjoyed every second of it. Yeah. But, you know, it was nice to just, like, something wholesome and warm. And, like, you, you just don't really get a lot of those movies. Like, even The Incredibles, like, it was a fun, good movie. But you just don't get that kind of innocence anymore. Yeah. Um. Mostly because, you know, sincerity nowadays were so harsh on it. I mean, myself mm-hmm. included. I'm it's really hard for me to accept something that's wholesome and sincere. Yes. But you know, because I have that attachment to Winnie the Pooh, I'm I'm able to to really go with it. And it was just yeah. it's what you would want it to be. It stopped I, being realist and it's become more of an escapism, that sort of thing. Yeah. Like it's nice to escape this reality where people can act like this. Uh, yeah. and go to this and go to this nice place. Uh, okay, so hit me with. I'm a movie not one. a heffalump. You're a heffalump. <laughs> See, and I I remember you telling me about that, and I was like, I don't know how well that's going to work, but it really did work. Yeah, that really whole sequence of him finding Eeyore and then the rest of the group was. Oh, that was all like great. When, he, when he goes to hug Pooh on the log, like that was just the best. Yeah. The, oh man. Yeah, that was tremendous. Uh, all right, Glenn. So hit me with a movie. And the fact that uh, that oh gosh, Matt Berry was in it. That was the best. Yeah, he was also very good. I mean, that one little scene, but it was. <laughs> uh, so so give me something, Glenn. What what have you watched? Uh, I mean, I guess the the la- the oldest thing I would have watched probably since we talked was A Star Is Born. Yeah. Which was very good. I, mean, I thought the music the music was very good, especially if you like if you like country music. Not not this new BS that we have now, but not like pop old, yeah. no, but like old good classic country where it, you know it can kind of ride that line of like rock and roll, like Garth Brooks and the Thunder Rolls. <laughs> yeah, like Garth. Brooks. I mean, I would even say like something like Thirty Eight Special or oh, okay, 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 or like Leonard Skinner, you know, Southern really rock, Southern rock. Like it, you know, there's a bit of that in there. Like you know, good heavy ballads. Like I know the joke is like you know, oh Freebird, you know, it's kind of like the meme thing. But like mm-hmm. 
I don't care what anybody says. Free Bird's still a good song. There is. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. It is a good song. Glittered Skitter, it's still good. You know, it doesn't mean the South's going to rise again or anything like that. But no. But it's just, like... You know, it it's still good music. It's just obviously it's you know we make fun of it because it's dad rock, but uh, it's still good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, no, it's just I mean, I thought Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga like their performances together were really good. They had a lot of good. They had good chemistry as a couple, but also had good chemistry singing together, which is unexpected just because he's not a actual singer. Right. Um. Uh, Sam Elliott. And you'll probably watch the movie and think the same thing too. Like for me, like every scene Sam Elliott is in uh, is the best scenes of the movie. Yes, uh, Sam Elliott, especially the final scene that he's in. It's going to break your fucking heart that you not the final scene that he's in, but uh, towards the end, uh, one of his scenes, it'll just it's going to just break your soul. Um, right. But yeah, he's uh, he's he's also Andrew Dice Clay as Lady Gaga's dad. It's really good too. Like, it's, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's unexpected names. But like, it's a fascinating movie, casting. Yeah, it is. The movie's really good. It's it's a fun little whimsy thing, you know, and it mm-hmm. uh, I don't really want to talk about it too much because it because of spoilers. I'm sure pretty much anybody who would want to see it's probably already seen it. Yeah. But I just Definitely. I thought the message was good, um especially towards the end, you know. It's not it's more of, you know, people you know, it's it's not fair to put all your hopes and dreams into someone. You know, they they might not be able to yeah. deliver that for you, and that's not fair to them. They do anything new with the A Star Is Born story? Because obviously, this story, this film is been. Um, I mean, like, I mean, like the whole structure is pretty similar. It's it's more in line with the Barbara Streisand one, mm-hmm. uh, with Chris Christopherson in the seventies, and the fact that like. I mean, Bradley Cooper is just doing a Chris Christopherson impersonation. Yeah. Um, you know, and hard into drugs and, and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in as much as he loves her, it's, you know, he's seeing his own mortality, you know, as a star waning. Yeah. You know, and, you know, he's proud of her, but at the same time, you know, he can be a little jealous of her. And as much as he wants to push her, become this thing, it's, he wants her to become the thing that he wants her to become, you know, not essentially her own person. And then that baggage that you can have with that, it was, it's, it's a good movie, but yeah, it, uh, it definitely, it'll, I mean, I've seen it twice. So, um, but I, I really enjoyed it. What it's not the it? best thing. Uh, probably a four and a half. Oh, pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good movie. It's a solid movie. Uh, okay. Next up for me is the predator. Have you seen this one? Nope. Okay. So going in, I believe I saw the first Predator. I believe it's called Predator. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've seen it once, a very long time ago. I'd have not many memories of it. But, uh, and this, this does not help. I thought maybe going in with such a low bar, because the last thing I saw with Predator in it was Alien vs. Predator, which was... Also not great, uh, mm-hmm. but I figured Shane Black, uh, I, you know, I like some Shane Black stuff and maybe this will be really cool. I don't know. And, uh, this was sort of like my Halloween night movie instead <laughs> of watching anything Halloween-ish. Oh, so you just watched this. I just watched this. And, uh, 
I get what he was trying to go for. It felt like he was trying to make an 80s action movie, but with 2018 sensibilities. Mm-hmm. So you've got people trying to make raunchy 1980s male humor, but that walks the line just enough that it's not offensive in 2018 like much of the male-driven comedy from the 1980s movies were. Uh, a lot of that stuff doesn't hold up to uh, for like an audience for today. Uh, it just didn't but work. But it does work in the original Predator movie. Yeah, it doesn't work. Because the whole thing is these big macho guys get slaughtered and are mm-hmm. wishing that they weren't in hell. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really work here, partially because none of the characters are likable. Like, none of them. Uh, Not even Tom Jane? No. I mean, and he plays... Uh, I think Thomas Jane is the guy who... The guy he plays has Tourette's, so he's there for the jokes. Because apparently people with Tourette's syndrome are just walking joke factories because you never know what they're going to say, apparently. Uh, which I'm sure made people with Tourette's very happy to see this continued stereotype of them uh, exist in films. But that's primarily what he was here for, was to every now and again blurt out something that was supposed to make the audience laugh. I didn't really laugh at any of the jokes. I didn't think... I mean, it wasn't like I felt offended by them or anything. They just, you know... They didn't seem funny. Like, we all saw that joke in the trailer of, like, you know, if your mom was a video game, she'd be rated E for everyone, which I'm like, I I bet all the 13-year-olds in high school are laughing their balls off over that one. But it was not appealing to me as a man in his 30s. It's like, jokes like that didn't work for me, and it's not really my type of humor. Uh, to me, the funniest thing in the movie, and this was, like, one of the few reasons this movie got the score that it got and it wasn't lower uh, because for the most part, the movie doesn't really work. Uh, but there's a great moment where, okay. So the main character, he's an idiot. Uh, he survives his first encounter with the predator and he ends up stealing a bunch of, I mean, cyborg. What's that? He's the bad guy from Logan. That's who the lead. Oh, is, is he? I didn't. Yeah. Even... He's also, He's also in that oh, show Narcos yeah, yeah, yeah. that I apparently need to watch. Yes. Um, now, now I recall. I, I, yeah, I didn't even realize that that was the guy from Wolverine <laughs> at first. Uh, he ends up stealing, like, some of the Predator's gear. He's got, like, a helmet. He's got, like, a, a gauntlet and some things like that. And, like a dumbass, he mails them to his house. Because he knows, <laughs> like, the, the army is going to be, like, on his ass for, like, running into this. And they, like... They try to hide him away to cover up the, you know, the fact that he found this alien stuff. And he ends up with a bunch of crazy guys, and they're supposed to be the heroes, but none of them are particularly likable. Uh, But he sends all this stuff to his kid, who has uh, Asperger's Syndrome. And he, so naturally the kid is like a genius or something, and... He ends up, like, hacking the... It's a really awful plot, I should note. He ends up, Mm -hmm. like, hacking all the alien tech and things like that. But he's smart enough to do this, but he's also dumb enough to, like, on Halloween night, he decides to go out wearing the Predator stuff. So he's, like, wearing the helmet and things like that. And there's some dickhead who... He doesn't give him candy or something. Like, he throws... He's, like, on his second-story balcony... And he throws something at the kid. He's 
back is turned to him and it hits the helmet and the helmet goes into like some sort of auto defense mode and like blasts this guy in the chest. And then the whole second story of his house explodes. I thought that was actually really funny. Uh, but other than that, most of the regular humor doesn't land. So, th- I mean, there's some good action and stuff in this movie, but there's also, um, you know, the predator gets taken out by a big predator. It's like a predator, but it's like 11 feet tall. And there's mm-hmm. also predator dogs. Those things exist. And oh. the third act of the movie is like a bunch of people fighting on top of a spaceship. Uh, it's, you know, it, it went too far. It strayed too much into modern blockbuster territory. I think they're lucky that I gave it a two. I mean, they don't care that I gave it a two, <laughs> but it's lucky that it got a two. It's not the worst thing I watched this year. It had moments of fun, but for the most part. So it wasn't as bad as Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom? No. No, it was not. Uh, okay, so give me something else that you watch, Glenn. Uh, First Man. Okay, I want to see this really bad as well. Tell me all it's about good. it. It's good. It's a good movie. I mean, the sound mixing, the sound editing. Did you get to see it in, like, an IMAX? I hear that's no, tremendous. No, I didn't get to see it in IMAX. I saw it, I mean, I did see it, you know, in, a, in, in theaters, but I didn't get mm. to go in IMAX. I um, hear it's, like, the moon stuff is all tremendous. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a pretty movie. Um, Ryan Gosling's good in it. Uh, Claire Foy is really fucking good in it. Yeah, she's tremendous. Uh, the very, you don't get a lot of, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? Russo from House of Cards. I call something, I can't remember his last yeah, name. Yeah, 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 I know who you're talking about. Um, the bald head guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't get a lot of him as Buzz Aldrin, but man, the moments he's in it, he's great. Yeah, I hear Buzz is portrayed as kind of a, I don't know. He's not, I heard not portrayed in the best light. Yeah, I mean, he comes across as an asshole, but it's also like mm-hmm. the whole thing like about Buzz. Like, Buzz was the charismatic one. He's the one that will give you some personality. And Neil, you know, which is true in real life, was, you know, the kept humble. himself. He never really talked about it. Yeah, And I know there's some... Um, self-generated controversy by number 45 for some reason mm-hmm. uh, about about flags and whatnot. Uh, I will say, you definitely see the American flag a lot in the movie. Yeah, uh, I think somebody did like You do not count. see the moment of him planting the flag on the moon, mm-hmm. and that's because the movie isn't about getting to the moon necessarily. The movie, the movie is really about him mourning the loss of his daughter. Mm-hmm. And mourning the loss of everyone he's been with. I mean, there's a part where his wife talks about how in one year um, they had four astronauts that died test yep. piloting yep. in one year. And they got really good at funerals. Yep. And yep. so a lot of it's just, you know, people falling in and out of the movie because they, they die. And may, maybe off camera or on camera. Um but it's just it's a movies really about grief and perseverance and you know for him the moon landing wasn't so much about like getting to the moon because fucking America and like yeah we beat the Ruskies it was about getting to the moon because of science and how we've come as far as as man mm-hmm. like it was it was all about you know doing the impossible and that kind of stuff and yeah 
you know, he'll say it like, if it wasn't me, someone else would be able to do it. I mean, he's a pretty humble, recluse guy. Yep, and, he rarely uh, gives interviews. Yeah. Yeah. And so the whole thing, you know, with the movie is just, it does a good job of just, it's, this is about him. This isn't necessarily about, I mean, he, not to super spoil things, but like, you know, we only go to the moon for like 10 minutes of the movie. I mean, it's the movie isn't about him on the moon. The movie right. is about him. Well, yeah. And all the, all the, like, you know, like Apollo 13, the whole drama about Apollo 13 is the mission itself. Like the mission that Neil Armstrong put on was pretty smooth sailing, you know, not a mm-hmm. whole lot of weird stuff happened. You know, it's a pretty, pretty, you know, everything routine. went well and they got home. And that's know, not an trip. exciting movie. Yeah. It wouldn't be exciting yeah. to watch them hit golf balls or collect rock samples. Um, you know, like that's not particularly exciting drama for a film. So yeah, you would not want to spend that much time on the moon. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. And like, so like my the thing I keep telling people is, you know, it's funny that they bring up the fact like, okay, so they don't show him plant the flag. You know, what they actually do show instead is his son raising the flag out in his front yard. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that's like so much more of a symbolic gesture than showing us put the the flag on the moon. Like showing his son raise the flag, and it's like this big prideful moment for everyone on Earth of what we accomplished not on Earth. Like that to yeah. me is way more impactful than yeah. than than the image of the flag on the moon. I mean, but you most know, people don't course... even know that the flag isn't even there anymore. It's been yeah. eroded away by solar winds Space. and radiation, <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> Well, because I think so, people might think that, like, oh, space is a vacuum, so it would be preserved. But it's like, no, it's like full of radiation, and like the yeah. the flag is not there anymore. the The pole so, might still be there, but the flag is not. Yeah, uh, so it was, it's a good movie. I, I really liked it. I mean, I definitely think you would like it. It is yeah. that kind of. It's a slow burn, but man, the the sound and in mm-hmm. the movie is just God. They do such a good job with the sound and. And just like certain parts where, I mean, it, it really does feel like he's just in a tin can flying in space. And it's like, dear Lord, how did we ever do that? <laughs> and they're writing every math problem down by hand. And it's like, oh, my God, like, how are we? Yeah. How did we do this? Kind of mind boggling. So, yeah. uh, so that's what, that's the more inspiring parts of it. What would you give First Man? I give it four and a quarter. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh Okay, so my last one is Venom. It's the most recent movie uh, I watched. And Venom, Glenn, is not part of the MCU. Which, after having watched Venom, I can gleefully tell you it's not (laughs) part of the MCU. And I'm so happy for that. This was the worst movie I watched of the three. I saw some non-spoilery reviews that said this movie lives and dies with Tom Hardy's performance. And if you really dig his performance, then you're probably going to love the movie. And if you don't dig his performance, you are not going to like the movie. And I'm never particularly good with quirky performances. So I was worried going in and it was so much worse than I imagined. Unless it's a Coen brothers movie. Yeah. Well, they seem to do quirk good. Yeah, well, they're yeah, they're good. Their quirks <laughs> line up with my quirks, I guess. I don't know, but this uh, this did not work for me at all. Uh, 
I'm not even sure really where to begin. I mean, there's they try to infuse a lot of humor into this. That doesn't really work for me. Uh, there's already the talk that we had long before this about how weird his accent seemed. That's kind of low on the list now that I've watched the movie. Uh, it's very much, it feels like a paint-by-numbers sort of story. And it's clear that they didn't want to take itself too seriously. But I couldn't help but seeing... For me, I couldn't help but see the... Like, this could have been so much more interesting if they tried to make it like a subgenre of comic books, like Marvel has been known to do with some of its MCU movies. Can I ask you one question? Mm. By all means. The dumb joke that we saw in the trailer. The is that turd the worst in the wind? Joke? Is that the worst joke of the movie, or is there a worst one? Um, I, th- for, I mean, for me, that's. I think it might be the worst, but... It's hard to say. Like, everybody said that there's... I don't know. There's so many things. I, I heard people say that like there's a... Um, like a lobster scene that's ingenious or something like that. Or I heard people raving about a, a scene with a lobster or whatever. And... Like, he just... It, he plays it really weird. So, like, when he gets merged with the symbiote... Symbiote? Symbiote? I don't remember how they pronounce it. Uh... They pronounce it in symbiote. Symbiote. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when he gets merged with it, like he keeps feeling the urge to eat living things because I guess venom does. And he's like at a restaurant trying to convince his ex or whatever that he needs uh, help or something, and then he just gets up and like sits in a lobster tank and like picks out a lobster and like just starts biting into it or something. And apparently that was supposed to be brilliant or something. Maybe it was improvised or something, but it just, it all felt too weird for my tastes. There's, I don't know. The whole thing is weird. I I feel like this would have worked. For me, the Venom movie, I think that I wanted was the, they try to do like a horror movie, like a, like maybe what they're going to try to do with like the spawn uh, thing that they're going to do at like uh, Blumhouse or whatever, or, you know, like when the MCU does a heist movie or they do the uh, political thriller or whatever, like they did with uh, Winter Soldier. Like when they, when they kind of spin off and do a comic book movie, but within this other genre of film. And to me, Venom would be a good horror movie, but instead Venom is a loser from an alien planet. He says as much in this movie. He's like, I was a loser, just like you, but now we can be winners or something. Uh, He eats people's heads, like he bites their heads off, which you'd think would be terrifying, uh, scary. But, you know, they're kind of like, Venom, did you eat another head? You, oh, you. Like, that's kind of how it's played in this movie. It's really weird. Like, I think they wanted to do, like, a look how self-aware we are of our own silliness, and we're going to play it up. And sometimes that works, but, boy, it really never worked for me. This movie is just really, really strange. And even even the most positive reviews that I heard uh, was like, this movie's trash, but I love it. And, (laughs) you know... Usually, like, when those are the positive reviews of, like, it's not good, but I really liked it for some reason that I can't explain. You know, if 
you don't fall into that tiny percentile of the people who love it despite what they're watching. Uh, you know, every all of their other senses are telling them no, but they're like, oh, I can't help but love it. There's going to be a lot of other people who really despise it. And for me, there's only been one other movie this year worse than this one. And I think you know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> I gave Venom one and three quarters. Oh, I hated this movie. I didn't hate it as much as I hated Fallen Kingdom, but I hated so, it. So it's not like whenever we saw the trailer for Aquaman... And we're like, they put fucking saddles on hor- on sharks and there's gigantic crabs fighting each other. No. Like, where it's just like, let's just go goofy because screw it. Right. Like, well, so people I'm... are going to make fun of us anyway. Let's just go goofy. But, like, with Venom, it's like, well, you don't need to go goofy because people think Venom is cool. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know Venom very well in the comics. Like, I don't know if he's played as a silly character ever. I always felt like he was a scary character, something that was violent, dangerous, something to be feared. Uh, Aquaman, like, when we watched that trailer for Aquaman, it just felt like, you know what, we're just gonna own that this is Aquaman, and we're gonna go, (laughs) we're gonna go 100 on Aquaman. And it's like, that means, uh, seahorses with saddles on them, and, you know, (laughs) the dude, Black Manta, with the, the giant head with laser eyes, uh, yeah, get giant crabs and sharks fighting each other. Like, yeah, they went they went full Aquaman. I don't. Yeah, they, they just put all their chips in it because it's like F it. You know, if we try and take it too serious, people will be yeah. like, "Oh, Aquaman's lame." Blah blah blah. I don't so think they the went. We're going to win people over. It's just like we're just going to make this goofy as hell because what do we have to lose? Yeah, you know. I don't think they went full Venom here. To me, this felt like they tried to do something different. Like and... they tried to be wink, wink, and. It, it just doesn't work. Yeah, this is a very silly premise, but I want you to know, the audience, that we also know how silly this is and watch us laugh at ourselves. But it didn't work. I don't know. It it was highly disappointing. <laughs> uh, so what's uh, what's your film? The your last one, Glenn. Well, I do want to. I do want to actually talk about Mandy. But my last one I saw in theaters was Halloween. Okay, I've heard mixed reviews about this so i'm curious yeah i mean like i thought it was uh i thought it was okay um i thought there were parts in it that were really good Mm -hmm. uh like they kind of showed in that trailer where it's all one shot uh that scene is much longer than that and Mm -hmm. i mean it's probably about six seven minutes where it looks like all one cut uh so i mean that whole that's the like the first halloween night you know when he his first kills Mm -hmm. so i mean like that was cool like there's certain parts of it you know i like the whole you know, Lori is, she's kind of like a deranged woman who is all about self-preservation and kind of becomes a survivalist because she just knows that Michael's going to come out one day and he's going to hunt her down and kill her and her family. Yeah. You know, it's like her, her psychosis just eroded to that much. Um, so like whenever Michael does break out and break free, the cool thing is, is that like they do have like a little mini confrontation, but like he does not care. She, yeah means nothing to him and i thought that whole concept of like you know to the victim it's kind of like you know the whole thing of why i like about drax was like in that first guardians of the galaxy you know drax hated this guy who like he doesn't remember his wife or kids i mean he doesn't i mean he, yeah. they were just they were just upon the millions he killed he does not care yep so if they have that you know juxtaposition of this emotional scarring event 
you know, put against something of like, of you know, of who did the crime, mm-hmm. not caring or of no consequence to them. Like that's just such more devastating. Mm-hmm. And the the sad thing is, is they gotta do the whole like they gotta have them have their final fight, which is fine. Mm-hmm. And they could have done it in a much more organic way, but the fact that they had to use the dumbest of dumb plot twists to get him to her house, which is essentially um, Home Alone. Like, her house is just <laughs> one big death trap. Yes. So it, it turns into her hunting him, which is cool, but it's just like there, there's just little things that they do in the movie that to kind of get you to move the plot along, it's just like, okay, whatever. And you just kind of roll your eyes a little bit. But the music's excellent. Um, I will say, like, some of the kills or even just the feeling, like, it does just feel like the the original Halloween movie. Like, there are there are definitely moments in it where you're just... It's kind of like watching Jaws the first time. It's like, oh, is the shark going to kill this one? Oh, nope, nope, nope. Okay. Yeah. But it's just, you know it's going to kill. You just don't know when it's going to happen, you know? And it's, it, and it's indiscriminate. It doesn't care. It's just, you know... I mean, the first thing you see him kill is a 12-year-old kid. Yeah. Now, obviously, he's killed other people, but the first thing you see him actually kill is a kid. So, like, when the moment comes later on that you hear a crying baby, and you're like, oh, no, oh, no. And then he just goes to it, and he hears a different noise, and he's like, oh, I'll kill that thing. And so he just walks across the street and kills the person in the house. Like, and it's just how it is. That's, like, way more menacing and scary than just, you know, something like Jason Voorhees, where it's just kill a bunch of horny teenagers. Like, at least with this, it's just... They just sometimes happen to be horny teenagers, but he doesn't really care. Yeah. So, as an overall score, you know, three, maybe three and a quarter. Like, it was it was a pretty solid movie. It I did mean, well for itself box office-wise, it so that was interesting. It did make a boatload of money. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was a solid movie. I thought, like I said, the music's great. It was awesome to hear John Carpenter music in a movie based off of a John Carpenter property again, so that was cool. Where do you think this ranks in the uh, the pantheon of Halloween movies? Well, I mean, most of them are garbage, so... <laughs> I've only seen, like, three of them, and I think there's, like, six or seven. Yes. Like, I've seen the first one, obviously. I've seen... Uh, I think it's the... It might be the second or third one. I mean, didn't she come back to be in one, like, not terribly long ago well she was in halloween resurrection she actually got killed in it that she dies yes. the first 10 minutes of it and then halloween h2o that's the other one i've seen the the one with like josh hartnett and like ll cool j from the 90s it's it's not very good goodness gracious but all of this ignores like it, all it is is pretty much just like the first movie yeah this pretends that there's only been one movie which i know people hate it when they do that and that's clearly a sign of like our continuity is awful and these other movies are trash so let's forget about it you know at least with the x-men they use time travel to erase all the horrible <laughs> yeah, mistakes they made so and then they just make new mistakes yeah they're just making new ones man that dark phoenix movie is not looking so they were on such a roll glenn the i mean days of future past wasn't like as good as first class or anything like that but you know, it wasn't too many steps down. And, uh, boy, just since then, felt like they had something good going, but I guess not. Uh, they'll, they'll end up in Marvel's hands once again, and everybody will get recast, and then we'll see what they do with them. Uh, yep. All right, so that's all the movie. Do you plan on, is there anything else you plan on seeing anytime soon? 
Uh, I mean, I think that Ballard of Buster Scruggs Cohen Brothers movie comes out on Netflix next week. That's definitely uh, what I'm going to see. Um, I mean, I'm probably going to see The Crimes Against Grindelwald. Yep. Uh, I can't really think of anything else. I mean, there's certain stuff like that Sister Brothers movie, the John C. Riley. Walking Phoenix Western, like I think that's going to become, I think it's going to be on uh, VOD pretty soon. So definitely going to watch that. Yeah. Um, but I can't really, I can't really think of anything else that I'm looking forward to. I mean, Vice. I mean, I want to see the crap out of that movie, but yeah, I think that's, that's not till Christmas. Yeah, that's so. until the end of the year. Nothing, uh, nothing I can really think of in November that. Oh, Creed Two. I guess that's probably like the big one I want to see. Yeah, I've got. Um... I mean, I, I've got to catch up. I haven't seen Old Man on the Gun yet. Wreck-It Ralph 2. Yeah. That's on my list as well. I, I, I've i got Old Man on the Gun on my list that I haven't seen yeah. yet. And I, need to I think see. that's about to be on VOD, so I'll probably watch Ooh. that soon. Uh, I need to see A Star is Born and First Man, and also I wanted to check out uh, Bad Times at the El Royale. Uh, but recent stuff, or stuff that hasn't come out yet, or is on its way out, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody I want to watch because I'm a big Queen fan. Uh, the Grinch... Uh, that actually looks really charming. Yeah, it looks it looks kind of cute. Oh uh, yeah, I guess that does. Uh, and then Fantastic Beasts; those are the the three most recenty ones. I mean, obviously, there's going to be Wreck It Ralph and Spider Verse and Aquaman and Bumblebee and Spider Verse actually looks kind of good. Mm-hmm. I have a morbid curiosity about that Holmes and Watson movie as well. I will say that one gag that they have in that trailer, I about. Died. The one, was that, was that the one about uh, you know the, the the cocaine or whatever? No, the cocaine. Yeah, that, that was pretty good. I will say that damn thing with the bees. The fact that he just like oh, pulls tries, out pistols and just starts dual wielding pistol shots, trying try to shoot to the bees. <laughs> I mean, I know how he feels. I too would. Yeah, I, know. Just... I would take a shotgun to bees like flying at me. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's the show for this week. Uh, no, I, I'm telling you, we got to oh, talk that's about right. Mandy. That's right. Glenn wants to talk about Mandy, which I don't even know what this is. Glenn, you got to tell me about it. What is this? It's a Nick Cage movie. Oh, wow. Okay. So it, I'm already intrigued. Yes. It's from the son of the guy who did Tombstone and Cobra. Fascinating. Okay. This movie is nothing like those two. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, it also has the... Guy who played Thomas Wayne and the Batman Begins, Christian Bale. Oh, okay, yes. He is the main antagonist. All right. He is a Christian cult leader. All righty. That comes to town and he gets one glimpse of Mandy, which is Nicolas Cage's wife, and he falls in love with her. Mm. And he wants her to be in his little weird christian sex cult okay and this is about nick cage rescuing his wife or fending this guy off or something or it is about well she dies (laughs) okay so no revenge yeah it is it is a revenge movie with Nick Cage. And I'm not saying this in a like oh we loved Outcast cuz it was so stupid it was bad. I'm t- this is a legitimate I mean I think it has like a 93 on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. But it is a legitimately awesome horror movie. All right. It 
it reminds me, and it's a very low budget, but it reminds me in a way of what they're trying to do. You remember that Jack Black video game about rock stars that wasn't very good? Yeah, vaguely, yes. It's kind of like that, where okay. essentially Nick Cage and his wife may or may not be Satanists, but I mean Satanists in like what they actually are, which are just like normal people who actually do good charity work and yeah. are also about sex and pleasure. Yeah, um, they're essentially those people. So the so the protagonists are Satanists and the antagonists are are Christian worshippers. So. Excellent. I feel like either either you're in or you're out <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to that. I mean, uh, I was kind of in. I was kind of in when you said it was a Nick Cage movie. So yeah, but no, it is. It's gorgeous. Um, it's a lot of that blues and pinks, like mm-hmm. that neon effect. Um, like essentially, it, it, the the story is. I think it's Orpheus in Greek mythology of his descent into Hades to save his wife. That's really what the movie is. It's just his descent into hell and madness. Uh, speaking of Predator, Bill Duke is in it. He's the bald guy that gets his head exploded mm-hmm. by Predator. Um, he is in this movie briefly. Uh, but yeah, it's just Nick Cage hunting down crazy biker gangs like from Mad Max <laughs> and uh, these these LSD infused christian worshipers but it is a trip but it is it's it is gorgeous i mean there are certain things that are so pretty but also really haunting is this vod is this like out on digital right now or yeah it is it's out on digital it had a very very brief very limited theatrical uh, theatrical release i tried to see it when i went to san antonio last month but i just couldn't get the times right to go uh, I wish I had seen it in theaters because it, even though it is definitely on a smaller budget, it is just so pretty to look at. And, oh, I'm gonna have and to add like this the, to pretty in that like gory, just like grind housey. I mean, it definitely ha- looks like it's got grain on the like on the screen, like it's on film. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just this beautiful grind house movie, but like not like in a cheap way, like the Planet Terror and Death Proof movies were. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like that tongue in cheek thing. But it's sure. Really, like someone who deliberately wanted to make, like, I want to make something that's grindhousey, but just like super stylized and pretty. Like, it mm-hmm. is a gorgeous, gorgeous movie. It is my favorite movie I've seen this year oh, by wow. far. Um, it is, it reminds me a lot of that sensation of whenever I saw Mad Max Fury Road of like, holy shit, like, yeah. This is what you can do with a genre. Like this mm-hmm. is this is what you can do. Now, obviously, you know they didn't have a hundred million dollars to do it, um, so it's like that f- sensation, but just on a such smaller a smaller scale. scale and such a smaller budget. And you just watch the movie, you're like, oh my god, only Nicolas Cage can make this work. I mean, there's chainsaw fighting. Um, Nick Cage, oh, we, he forges his own battle axe. I mean, it is oh, awesome. I mean, this movie is so good. And again, not in a oh god, this is so bad. It's gonna be. I mean, it is legitimately I, good. It is legitimately good. It's not I like cheered. shark. It's not Sharknado fun. You're it's not Sharknado. It's... it's not like skyscraper. Like I rooted for him the whole time, and like mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like whenever you hear about those stories, like. Uh, like watch it, like something like Halloween. Like the problem with Halloween is that you tend to root for Michael and you want to see the kills. Yeah. Like it's like that, but it's like you're actually rooting for the good guy. <laughs> it's it's like John Wick on drugs. Like it is just, ah. it is awesome. This movie is so good. 
I want everyone to see it. Uh, it is, it's not for everyone, but if you like really stylized, you know, color associations, uh, where it's like a lot of heavy blues and pinks and mm-hmm. uh, just weird shit. I mean, it's kind of like Metalocalypse. Like, there's animation in this movie. I mean, it is it is a tour de force of like low budget filmmaking. It is absolutely amazing. It is it is my favorite movie I've seen this year. I don't see how anything can top it. What would you um, give it? Oh, it's a five. I mean, it is. I like. I watched it. And I've immediately just been like, I want to watch it again, but I'm making it my movie pick. Mm-hmm. So um, it's either my turn next or the turn after that. So it is definitely, I've just been holding off. I'm, I'm actually going to probably watch it with a friend today because he can't make it to our movie nights anymore. Yeah. But it is just, it's it's the movie I, 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 I feel like I have to, like I've joined a cult. Like I have to spread everyone the gospel of this movie. Like I want I, uh, everyone I... to see it. I do not take your five lightly, so I am going to definitely watch this. I mean, it's it's amazing. It is it is so much fun. I, I feel like awesome. again, I think I really think you could. Li- I think you would like it. It's just it's weird as hell. But it's I might not like it as much a, as you like it. Is what you're saying? Yeah, you might not. But it's it's just weird and like that. Just yeah. great. Just gory. It's like Evil Dead, but like actually done well. Not just super cheap. Like it. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> Um, all right, so on that note, uh, we end the show. That's it for this week. Uh, head on over to the website, uh, check out the archives of the show. Plus, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn. Just search for Cinema Geekly and hit subscribe. And uh, that way, you can hear us come back and uh, talk some more movie news and reviews. For Glen Bovey, I'm Anthony Lewis, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon on another Cinema Geekly podcast. <laughs> <laughs>